Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas, and today we're going to talk about a difficult subject, but it is happening right here. Uh, our guests today include Kate LePage. She is a East Central Safe Harbor Navigator with Lutheran Social Service, and Heidi Fairchild, who is an advocate with Sexual Assault Services. First of all, ladies, welcome back to Community Focus. Thank you. Good morning, Ken. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it is my pleasure. Um, and... Really talking about a collaboration, and I'll I'll let maybe, Kate, you want to talk about this? BLAST is the acronym, but tell us about BLAST. Yeah, so we have a team called the BLAST team, or Brainerd Lakes Area Sex Trafficking Team, and it's really a collaborative effort and response within Crowing County, and it includes you know various sectors of law enforcement. We have the Sheriff's Department, Brainerd PD, Baxter PD, Pequot, NISWA, the State Patrol, and then we have um, probation and child protection, our attorney's office, as well as advocacy agencies like ourselves um, that attend, and then some community members as well. So we're really well-rounded, including public health and medical services, and really trying to figure out how can we best identify this issue in our community, and are we responding um, really holistically and and collaborating and making sure we're touching all bases when we identify a victim-survivor. How long has BLAST been uh, working together, if you will? It started as the Stop Coalition, and this was prior to 2011 when the Safe Harbor Law was passed in Minnesota that made it um, no longer a juvenile delinquency issue if somebody under 18 was engaged in um, exploitation or prostitution. Um, And then when that law went into place, it eventually morphed into BLAST. So it's been operating as BLAST for probably about six, seven years now. Heidi, what do you think? Yeah, I think five, six years. Mm -hmm. Um, Just when I came over to work in Crowing County, the BLAST had been going for a short time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think I got maybe early in on it mm-hmm. when they were making the busts and and working so yeah. um it's been an exciting um it's been exciting for me coming from working in different counties to watch the collaboration in Crowing county and to see how this group worked and it's been an exciting process because through the blast um kate has worked diligently we have policies and procedures in place which we had just started, and I say we because I was at LSS for a while working before I came back to sexual assault services. So just started on protocols and policies, and then COVID hit. Um, yeah. But Kate, um, bless her heart, she did so amazing because she kept us all together. You know, we were all trying to figure out how are we going to do this with Zoom and everything. So we do have some wonderful policies and procedures in place mm-hmm. now through that committee um, and some others that came in to help. So. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, and this is one of these uh, issues I know a lot of people might you know, that listen in there are thinking, really do we have this problem here in the Lakes area? The short answer is yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's really highlighted. Um, the Minnesota Student Survey that goes out to ninth and 11th graders finally had a question in the last round um, of the survey going out about exploitation, and what we found was our rural communities actually had higher rates of self-disclosures from youth that are experiencing this form of victimization. Wow. And, uh, and so that's been really helpful for us to help show our community members and our community partners what this issue is looking like here. So we know that... Um, um, 
youth of all ages are being impacted, especially since COVID. We have higher rates of online solicitation and online grooming for exploitation. Um, And then our boys and girls, our cisgendered boys and girls are victimized at about 50% rates. Um, So equally experiencing this form of victimization as well. And then our trans youth, of course, are victimized at a much higher rate due to the additional vulnerabilities that they experience. And so this, um, this survey that went out and got these voluntary, you know, disclosures and responses from our youth have really helped us direct our community to see where this is happening. And we have actually higher rates of self-disclosures um, in like the Bemidji region of the state than we do in the metro in Hennepin County. And so that's pretty, I mean, pretty eye-opening, yeah. I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. You, even for our agency, because we serve um, survivors, uh, victims of all sex crimes. So we work in collaboration with LSS, of course, when it comes to trafficking and exploitation. So within our agency, we see a lot of exploitation, um, more than you would think you would see in this area. But we see a lot, not just in youth, um, but in adults. Hmm. And I know we've talked about this before, but just to break it down for listeners, commercial sexual exploitation is really the exchange of something of value or a promise of something of value for a sexual act. So that something of value is oftentimes thought of as having to be money, but it really, we see a lot, especially in um, communities with a lot of poverty. We see housing exchange, we see transportation exchanged, food, you know, anything that's um, perceived as a need or a value can be exchanged or promised. And that's why our commercial sexual exploitation comes into play. And then in Minnesota, it becomes sex trafficking if we have a third party involved. So if we have somebody, um, you know, making that exchange, someone facilitating that exchange, and then the victim. Wow. This is just uh, mind boggling to me that this is happening. And are the numbers uh, worse during COVID? Because I know COVID has caused uh, numbers to go up in a lot of different areas. Yeah, I know that in our agency, we've, we've, had high numbers and then it'll it'll come down a little bit but then you don't really talk about it because when you do then they pop up again but Mm. so we we've been busy and i know kate has been very busy um lss has been very busy so COVID hasn't taken you know our anybody from reaching out or Mm. actually you wonder about how many people don't reach out um, that are being affected because our numbers have risen. And I don't know, Kate can talk for their program. Yeah, so we've seen an increase in consults and referrals come through to my program. And, and you know, I think it's hard. You can't say it's specifically due to COVID, but, sure. you know, there is that correlation there that we've seen an increase. You know, what I've seen a huge increase in, though, is the online solicitation or the Internet Crimes Against Children cases. So cyber tips have risen um, pretty significantly as over the last two years since COVID hit. And we're also finding an increase in the self-production of of um, child abuse material that's going on on YouTube from kids between like the ages of 8 and 10. So we're seeing all of these things rise and it makes sense when we think about how COVID has really forced isolation and forced more and more things online and there's increased mental health and, um, and there's a decrease in 
uh, healthy adults that have their eye on these things happening, right? And in school and social and everything's been pushed solely online due to COVID a lot in a lot of cases. Um, for my specific exploitation and trafficking, I would say over the last three years, I've continued to see almost a double um, in the consults and referrals that I'm getting each year. And again, it could be somewhat from COVID and these online cases. Um, and it could just be from just ongoing awareness and consistency. The longer our law is in place and the longer that people are kind of learning about what this issue really looks like, I think that we're going to see an increase. Man, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, the Internet, you know, we always think, well, it's a handy source for this and that. But, boy, has it been used for nefarious purposes, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. Yes, as a grandma um, with some teenage granddaughters um, and granddaughters that have phones and have access to the Internet, Mm -hmm. um, I'm really, really afraid of what they can be exposed to because we see it through our work. Mm -hmm. And any parent who is diligent, um, there's still ways for kids to get around and there's still ways. These perpetrators are experts at what they do. And they're always one step ahead when we're we're learning something new. So they're one step ahead to reach out Mm -hmm. and to get these kids. um, And then whether it's sending photos, whether it's having conversations, there's, there's so many things that lead into the exploitation or trafficking because they pretend to be somebody they're not, and, and these children are vulnerable, even though we do talk to them and do the trainings with them. And I, I feel like um, sextortion is something that we don't talk a lot about, yeah. and it's something that these perpetrators are really good at. And I go out and I do online safety presentations to youth, and I partner with one of my um, special agents with the BCA or um, Bureau of Criminal Apprehension yeah. who does these cases. And, and we talk and we show kids kind of how fast these chats go from, hey, hi, I like your profile pic to this blackmail or sextortion for um, explicit photos, videos, or conversation. Wow. Wow. So you're, you've got a good group together that's working to stop this in the Lakes area. Uh, Kate, talk more specifically about what you do yourself as a um, uh, safe harbor navigator here. Yeah, so I cover an 11-county area in the state, and, and my job is really basically to be a point of expertise on trafficking and exploitation. So I facilitate education to community as well as my professional partners, um, prevention education to youth. I do consults and referrals if someone thinks they see something that could be exploitation or trafficking. Um, part of my funding and my position is to have a 24-7 response, so we have a crisis line um, depending on you know what time of day you're seeing something, you can always call and ask. Um, I also help build protocol and um, help create tools and resources to assist professionals in being able to identify and respond to this issue, as well as direct services to youth. Yeah. So I'm going to ask Heidi the same question in a moment, but I want to follow up on your counseling on what to do when you start <laughs> to see this, because there's got to be parents friends. I mean, there's so many people that might see this happening. What should they do? Yeah, well, I think the the one thing I'll, I'll start with is keep in mind that there's always potential safety concerns. So if you see this, especially if you don't know the potential victim, you could be causing them more harm by interjecting in the moment if you're not trained to do so. Ooh. So, you know, get the information you can, whether that's a license plate, whether that's a description of the individuals, whether that's a name, reach out to law enforcement right away. You know, sometimes you're just a piece of 
of the puzzle and you can help, you know, identify and respond to what's going on without interjecting yourself, right? Because we want to make sure that not only are you staying safe, but we're keeping the potential victim safe in that situation as well and not raising any concerns for their potential trafficker or exploiter thinking that they've been identified. Um, The other thing, you know, looking for uh, indicators of unhealthy relationships, you know, these are not kidnapping cases. We don't have, you know, the majority of these cases are not abductions and kidnapping. So looking for signs of unhealthy relationships is probably the biggest thing that anyone can do. Um, So look for isolation from normal peer groups, maybe a drop in grades, drop in um, like sleep patterns are changing and people are having a lack of sleep, aren't eating the same, um, you know, kind of really on edge all the time, paying for things with gift cards, um, Mm. going on run often. So, you know, maybe they're gone all weekend and they come back, you know, Monday morning. So kind of looking for some of these changes in behavior, um, maybe signs of unhealthy relationships or unhealthy online use. And then reaching out to myself, um, you know, if you're a mandated reporter, if you suspect there's trafficking, it would be a mandated report to CPS or Child Protective Services. And um, reach out to law enforcement if you think there's an immediate concern. But when I, when I, if you know that you you know, it's really sitting down and, and talking to them in an open way, you know, um, not having judgment, um, but really just being a support person, because this is really scary and people feel really judged um, and they think that they're doing something wrong. You know, any person that I've come into contact with, for the most part, doesn't identify as a victim. You know, yeah. they, they feel like they had a hand in this or they, you know, it was survival, but they made the choice. And so there's a lot of self-blame for these individuals as well. So if we think we see something going on, you know, sh- showing them that we care, that we identify these concerns and and that we're here for them in a non-judgmental way is the best way to open those conversation doors. Oh, that's excellent advice. Um Talk a little bit about what you do, Heidi. So our agency at Sexual Assault Services, we work with um, victims, survivors of all sex crimes. Um, And like Kate said, oftentimes a victim doesn't, they don't see themselves as a victim. So we'll, we'll see exploitation or find out about trafficking maybe secondary to something else that they had come in for. Um, So we work with them, um, like Kate and their agency, um, how they work with clients. However, we will reach out to Kate um, and notify her if it's a youth um, and other agencies that we're working with a youth. So we get release assigned right away because it's so important um, in our in our community to work together, especially when it comes to trafficking and exploitation, because the more we can work together, the more we can identify um, what's happening and the more needs that can be met to these survivors. And that's really what I want to speak of is, you know, maybe there's a survivor listening right now. And to know that in our community, in Crow Wing County, um, we're here to help you. It's okay to reach out with no judgment. Um, Kate, Kate's agency or sexual assault services contact us um, it's confidential services so just to know that we are here to help guide you to whatever service you might need maybe you just need some basic needs and we can help you with that maybe you want a safety plan or maybe you just want somebody to talk to and nothing else so we're here for that and it's important for survivors to know that whether they're 
dealing with exploitation now and trafficking or have in the past. Um, we are still here for them. And to me, that's what our voice for our agency wants for um, survivors and victims to know is that we're here. And for family, general public, right. I mean, when you, if you're getting a bad feeling about things you're seeing, you should step up and talk, shouldn't you? Right. As a community, um, my belief is as a community, and, and it takes a village, and that is so true because we sometimes have had things we've seen that look kind of, you know, iffy, and maybe you haven't reported it when you've seen something on the street or something with a youth, and then you never know. But to me, it's our responsibility to be informed about what's going on in our communities and be able to help these youth, whether it's just a conversation, just so they know they have an adult that they can rely on. Many of them just don't have a healthy adult relationship. So for even anybody off the street and they want more information, they can get a hold of us and we'll help um, educate them on the things that they can look for um, and how they can actually help youth or even adults who are experiencing exploitation or trafficking. Yeah. Um, I know I do have some podcasts out that I've done with some of my peers around the state. And, and one of the things that we've seen as a big issue that's impacting this this movement in a kind of a negative way are all the myths around exploitation and trafficking and what it looks like. Um, and so I do have a podcast out on the harms of myths and what those where those myths kind of have derived from. Um, and so if anybody's interested in learning more about kind of, again, what this issue looks like and how we can best promote it so that victims and survivors uh, feel heard and represented in the conversations, um, please, you know, reach out and we're happy to connect to further services. Even if it's not, you know, a crisis, you can still utilize our hotlines and, and get connected to more education and resources. Okay. Should we give those a hotline number for either one or both? Yeah. Um, our Safe Harbor hotline number for East Central Minnesota or for the Crown County area is 866-824-3770. And um, we're just one person on call at a time. And so if you miss us somehow or we're on the other line, um, we want to make sure we're contacting you back in a safe way. So leave us a quick voicemail and, um, and or give us a call right back if it's not safe to leave a voicemail. Okay. And for sexual assault services, our 24-hour crisis line is 218-828-0494. We also, one person on call, 24 hours. Um, so we might be on the line with somebody else. So leave us a message. Let us know a safe place to contact you or if you need us right away to give you a call back. Okay. Ladies, thanks for being here today to talk about this very important subject and thanks for what you're doing in the community. Thanks for having us. We yes. always appreciate coming and seeing you. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Our guests today are Kate LePage. Kate is the East Central Safe Harbor Navigator with Lutheran Social Service and Heidi Fairchild, an advocate with Sexual Assault Services. I'm Ken Thomas, and that is today's edition of Community Focus. Keep in mind, our Community Focus programs are available on our website. You can listen there anytime at 1067wjjy.com and also on our free mobile app that's powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center. Ladies, we know what we want from our birth control. But what about what's in our birth control? That's why I chose the 100% hormone-free Paragard intrauterine copper contraceptive. 
It's the only birth control that uses just one simple active ingredient to prevent pregnancy over 99% of the time, with no hormones and no daily routines. PearGuard is a small IUD that prevents pregnancy for up to 10 years using copper. Ready to get what you want? Talk to your healthcare provider to see if Paragard could be right for you. Don't use if you have a pelvic infection, including PID, get infections easily, certain cancers, Wilson's disease, or a copper allergy. Pregnancy is rare but can be life-threatening and cause infertility or loss of pregnancy. Paragard may attach to or go through the uterus. Tell your healthcare provider if you miss a period, have abdominal pain, or it comes out. At first, periods may become heavier and longer with spotting in between. It won't protect against HIV or STDs. For product information or to learn more, visit Paragard.com.